We're suspecting there's a good chance we'll get some kind of a super update to Street Fighter V early next year. And if that's the case, what kind of new mechanical shifts could the game really use right now? Plus, the Bonchan dynasty has begun, but is this a bad time of year to get hot? Catalyst has a word or two to say about Evo, and how it might be getting a little more hype than it actually deserves these days. I've leveled up my fighting game scope by getting my ass repeatedly handed to me in Battleship, and we answer a few listener-submitted questions here on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect! Alright, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello, hello! Alright, you know, let's get right into it actually. Uh, it's uh, Things are cooking here in the fighting game community, we've got a lot of great stuff going on. And I want to get right into with the new version of Street Fighter V probably coming out this, you know, next year, very early next year. Like, what are we, like four or five months away from that? Mm-hmm. Um, why we think that the, the mechanics that like, Capcom is, is going to add to the game will probably be just an extension of what current mechanics are. Right, because some people are out there, you know, in the community saying like, hey, uh, you know, why don't you add like a, uh, you know, we've even discussed this before, like, you know, a brand new defensive mechanic that's completely brand new. Let's say like, you know, uh, your character like throws a fireball, even if they don't have one or something like that, that just like pushes the opponent back or like, you know, throws up like a wall or does something like, you know, just something wild, right? Reality Um, stone. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, And basically what we're getting into there is that we don't think that based on Capcom's history and the stuff that they've done in the past, like that's really any kind of reality at all. Realities don't, ha. Ten points! And and just to to kick this off here a little bit, we covered it in a previous podcast that Capcom traditionally releases a new version of Street Fighter every two years. It's not an absolute, but like over the the history of the entire franchise, I think it came out to like 1.8 years or something like that. Um... That is typically been the case here. So uh, Street Fighter Five, except for when they take a ten-year hiatus. Yeah, well, even then, even then, like uh, <laughs> once you averaged it out, it actually still came out to like one point eight years. Like, oh yes, exactly. It was with that factored in. Yeah. But I'm saying we might be on the ten-year hiatus. We're definitely not yeah. in that. It's just that there were segments of time where we didn't have anything for like ten years. Yeah, there you go. So the dark periods. Yes. Uh, so anyway, um, and yeah, that's not even counting stuff like Street Fighter Cross Tekken or like you know the Marvel Verse series or whatever. It's like just Street Fighter games proper. Um, right. so it, it's pretty wild. Anyway, so that, that's basically our expectation because that's what Capcom has done, right? Um, so uh, the the new version of Street Fighter V we're expecting here in January or February of next year, very early next year. Um, Arcade Edition came out, was actually announced in October of 2017. Um, so that might be, you know, either Capcom has said we're doing something in November or December. We're expecting it's going to be December, you know, to show it at Capcom Cup and say, hey, you know, here's a brand new version of Street Fighter V. Everyone get excited. And I think that will do the job, right? I think it will actually do so, quite a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Announce at Capcom Cup. Do it after the finals are over with. Everyone loses their mind. And then a month or two later, release. Exactly. That's kind of what we're guessing. Exactly, yeah. It's and that's what kind of history shows right now. Uh, there hasn't been too many hints here from Capcom about like a new version of the game. Uh, it, it's just kind of reading a lot of the tea leaves. It, it you know, it, it seems logical that with the new generation, you know, consoles on the horizon that you want to extend the life of something that's working very well for you, especially in the esports realm. And I don't want to get too far into this because we've already covered it like very extensively on a, a previous podcast. So if you just, you know, f- uh, cycle a few episodes back, you'll find that right there. Um, but anyway, um, let's, let's get into it here of why we don't think that the, um, the current mechanics that they, uh, they added 
is going to be like gigantically revitalized, I should say. Like, right. you know, like it's not going to be this like complete revolutionary system. Um, and, and the reason of that is like, I'll actually go back through the history of, you know, Street Fighter changes that we saw. So clear back in the day, Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition is released. Uh, that actually added uh, mirror matches. Like you could not fight like the same, you know, you guys both couldn't be Guile, for example, right? Until Champion Edition came out. Uh, and then, of course, it, it unlocked the, uh, the boss characters in the game. And then uh, hyper fighting added air special moves of all things. Like uh, in air tatsu was not possible before. Uh, some characters, you know, had some air moves, uh, more specials in general. But like actually being able to do attacks in the air was kind of a brand new thing for the franchise. Uh, and then in Super Street Fighter Two, um, that actually just added new characters. That's kind of like you know, it's a little bit of a, a cheat thing, like there, like in terms of saying that uh, it was a brand new um, CPS engine. Like they went from CPS one to CPS two, which was basically like a a beefier version of Capcom arcade hardware right um but in super street fighter 2 turbo they added one of the the major ones here uh and that was a uh, supers and, and that actually kind of like uh, you could argue that was like revolutionary but shockingly enough at the time that was actually very heavily criticized for recycling old animations and just adding a shadow effect onto them and that's literally hmm. what it was like it was it's funny that we think about it now like in hindsight like oh supers man those had to be so revolutionary it's like well, if you look back at the game, like the animations were recycled, like they added a shadow effect and like, you know, a sunburst if you KO'd with it, that's it. You know, and- people were expecting that the, the update from that time and just the fact that you got supers was really cool because not necessarily that it needed to be a whole different animation, but you were doing an extra super powered version of something that your character already does. Uh, but that was, I feel cool in and of itself. I would be excited to go from not being able to throw this five hit super fireball with Ryu to be able to doing that. And also playing the game of building up your meter and managing your resources a little bit. But people were actually upset at the time that it just like they were they were given this gift and they were mad about it supers were not well received at all at first we we adapted to them with time they became a thing but they were doing 50 percent damage they were eating inputs like whenever you did a super in super street fighter 2 turbo um the odds of your inputs getting eaten completely uh were very high uh it was really hard Well, that makes sense because that's more on the gameplay front i can see people having a lot of issue with that but the fact that the 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 visuals were just recycled if man if people were whining about that at the time when they had just gotten street fighter man like it was it was the big thing about it was where was street fighter 3 and and why have you have you kept rehashing the same game over and over and over again which they did you know for for massive amounts of profit which worked you know kind of thing but um i remember reading an egm like they were actually very pissed off about it at the time electronic gaming monthly a, a gaming magazine they actually used to send out magazines with gaming information in it before the internet you know kind of thing i know that sounds crazy but it happened uh, but anyway <laughs> um a bunch of magazines were putting capcom on blast for just again recycling street fighter 2 and, and it was just like, okay, this is supposed to, you know, satisfy us. Like, you're, instead of getting a brand new version of the game, which every other game, you know, development company does, you again recycle in this old garbage. And it's funny. It's in hindsight, this stuff is appreciated. And actually going through here and, and the next game we're going to get into is Street Fighter 3, um, watching the reception of that game, like with gaming magazines and other things, like it was the people actually flat out called it too hardcore, too intensive a game and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's funny that... So so often with these games that we we don't appreciate them excuse me when they they first come out and then um 
in hindsight, that's where, you know, we, we have much more appreciation for what they are, which is actually what I feel is a, a subject for another time. But what I feel is going to happen with Street Fighter V, that we're going to look back at that game and go, oh, my goodness, they had so many like I, I appreciate it right now. But so much depth, uh, so much unbelievable, like, you know, tech and, and nuance to it. Like, it's a terrific game that's so underappreciated. I could dialogue about that for an hour or two and have the entire Internet hate me afterwards but <laughs> uh, regardless uh, i digress um getting back into it here uh street fighter 3 second impact that actually added ex specials which will become a franchise stable that was a brand new thing but yet again another extension uh, of what was already there uh third strike added red parries or, you know the guard parry system basically uh getting into a more modern era which people remember uh, super street fighter 4 added double r uh, two ultras ultra street fighter 4 double ultras red focus delayed wake up um and then we get super current here with uh, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, and that added a new V-Trigger system here. And mm-hmm. and to get a little bit out of the Street Fighter franchise, which is, is you know pretty relevant, um, kind of this discussion, uh, Ultimate Marvel added the aerial, exta- uh, aerial exchange system where you could remove a meter, add a meter to yourself, or extend combos or damage, you know, whatever you wanted to do. And then they added the ability to activate X-Factor in the air. So it's like you look at this stuff and you go, it could be seen as revolutionary depending on what you want to do. But almost everything I named off here, like actually everything I named off there is an extension of something that was already there. You did not get stuff like focus attacks, uh, parries, alpha counters, the X factor system itself, the V system. All those things launched with a core release of the game, not an upgrade. Those were all major like, "Mm," you know, type things. And uh, I'm going to get into Marvel here in just another second, like with another example. But uh, that's how come our expectation is what it is right now. Yeah, I also just think that once you're three and a half, we're more than that. We're like almost four years. And by this time, it will be four years into Street Fighter V's life people have their expectation they have an understanding of what the game is and it kind of does put it in something of a box now there is wiggle room inside of that box but you like you're getting at you do need to kind of more tweak with what you tweak the things that you already have as opposed to put something all new or turn the game up on top of you know on its own head and change the experience because the, the public knows what the Street Fighter V general experience is here, and that's a very broad idea there, and you could definitely dig in and get more particulars and, and such, but th- you, if you mess with that, then you are uh, like like then you're playing on like no foundation, a very shaky foundation. That's how the community is going to perceive the game, and I bet you that's going to turn a lot of people away. So, I mean, it's it's not set in stone that you couldn't do something crazy and drastic and different and change the game's identity, but you're not going to want to. You can see the obvious potholes and problems that could come from that very easily. And if you're Capcom, there's a very small chance that you're going to take that kind of a risk right now when there are so many other things that you could do playing within this box that has now been established. And we've established very well that the the fan feedback of Street Fighter V has not been great. You know, like the community as a whole is very divided on it. But the fact of the matter is the game has sold almost 4 million copies. And you can't go to those fans who have bought the game and are invested in it and say, hey, you know what, like, you guys don't really matter the the time you put in here, you know, we're going to just completely turn the game on its head and whatever, you know, type thing like you can't do that. That's not what a new version of the game is for. It's to enhance the experience that you already have. That's traditionally mm-hmm. has been what is there. Uh, and actually to, to cite an example specifically of that, uh, Ryoto Natsuma um, was a producer of Tatsunoko versus Capcom and also Marvel versus Capcom 3. 
and he um he was asked about the changes that they looked at for Ultimate Marvel, right? You know, and he actually cited an example about X Factor and combo breakers of all three, all things, which were uh, referred to as a mega crash system in uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom, basically a burst mechanic, you know, for lack of a better way of referring to it. But anyway, Nitsuma at the time he said, "The truth is." Our team has tried to make big changes to X-Factor. This was a rejected idea, but it was thought that we would give the X-Factor user continuous one-hit super armor after activation. Uh, it was decided <laughs> in the end that this was akin to giving out infinites in X-Factor. So to defend against such a strong system like this, we added a mega crash combo, you know, burst, uh, combo breaker burst, you know, mechanic in there uh, that we would have put into the game. And so... Uh, yeah, so um, it, just to give you guys an idea of what the uh, the Mega Crash combo burst system was actually in Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which is, again, a game that Nitsuma also worked on, is that uh, you needed two bars of hypermeter, and then it took away roughly 10 to 15% of your life bar, right? So uh, this was not a just like, you know, do it and there's no repercussions type thing. It was like, you know, you had to sacrifice some stuff for it. But anyway, so so following up here on the x-factor on steroids type concept that they worked on uh, nitsuma added that we realized that after all these changes that the game was becoming too complex so we um uh, specified our plans in terms of simplicity we thought to ourselves such a system if we brought that into the game would be a marvel versus capcom 4 not 3 and right there is is documented, written proof from a producer at Capcom, a high-level producer at Capcom, that they do look at this stuff and they, they realize sometimes they can go too far. You know, so we cited examples like, you know, uh, evidence that we've seen over the years, but there's also statements directly from Capcom themselves are like, yeah, like, we don't want to push this stuff too far because it just... Man, my my mind is melting right now of having super armor on X Factor. Like I, just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even comprehend that. And of course, they add combo breakers basically to offset that, right? Like I'm just like Marvel is broken as can be. It's like that's taking it too like, and there it is. That's taking it too far, right? Even the producer of the game who made X Factor is like, yeah, that's taking it too far. Darn it, we can't do that. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, you just if you think of it as a building of each of these games as a building, there's a certain uh, level where you can mess with things, you can tweak stuff around, you can give it a new paint job and whatever. But you go too far down into the foundations and you start moving those stones that are holding it together and changing them. Even if the whole thing doesn't fall apart as a result of that, it certainly isn't going to be the same thing anymore. And so it's just a matter of how far down in the into the foundations are you allowed to uh, to delve when you're changing stuff like this. And there is a certain line, even if it's kind of it probably takes a little bit more research to clearly articulate the parameters of exactly where that line is but based on what um, you just read that quote it's like we're, we didn't want to make a Marvel versus Capcom 4 and this is the area that if we go into here we're, we're messing with Marvel versus Capcom 4 at this point right and we don't want Street Fighter 6 with whatever this change to the mechanics is going to be we want Street Fighter 5 better right in, an argument that someone might bring up is like, hey, the alpha games, like those games actually had pretty different mechanics between every version, but every version was its own version. Like, you know, alpha one, two, and three, it's a little bit of a different thing. And I, I get that the, the alpha games were this kind of weird hybrid, right? Where they transferred mm -hmm. characters over between every game, you know, and, and some of the mechanics transferred right over. I think everything had alpha counters. They adjusted how those worked, you know, all that kind of stuff. And but the animations were like all the visuals were the same, weren't pretty they? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I think they added yeah. some new moves and things like that but you know um, <laughs> if they could have got Morgan in there to reuse her sprite I'm sure they would have but uh, anyway uh, yeah so, so there it is it, it's 
it's there there might be an exception out there too that I threw out there. You know, I just mentioned the Alpha games. There might be some exception I, I'm I'm not thinking of very clearly here where people are like, hey, you know what? Like this was a mechanic that was revolutionary instead of evolutionary. But the bottom line is the the rule that Capcom goes off of what they do most times is just really adding extensions of what is already there. So so what would you like to see uh, in the way of extensions that are already there when it comes to Street Fighter Five? I'm glad you asked that, John. So I, I'm I'm very I, I love Street Fighter Five like so much, but the game is so offensive based, and I really think that the game revolves around a seventy to eighty percent ratio for offense, which is ridiculous. And uh, as much as I love the game, I I think that is a major fault, and I think that Capcom has to look at defensive options, or maybe even dialing back the offensive options, which. I don't know if that's a viable route for him to go with the way that Street Fighter V is built. Like uh, one of the things we've you know talked about is like, hey, why don't you just reduce like the, the on uh, block and, and hit of uh, V-trigger activations like kind of across the board. Like everyone loses like 10 yeah. frames from it or something like that. Which shockingly enough, even then would leave you at advantage for a number of a characters right in the game. Hmm. It's, it's crazy how powerful... Uh, V-trigger activations are unless you play Vega. If you play Vega, then you don't have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, sorry, you know, but uh, anyway, so what I would like to see to answer your question is is some kind of defensive mechanic. And what I do go back to again is the V-reversal system, which we're going to talk about here actually with Punk and, and uh, you know, how that's working out in tournament level. Um, but uh, I really feel like your ability to just force someone off of you, have a really good chance to get someone the heck off of you is really hard to do in this game. You you get on a uh, your, your back foot. I remember watching like LPN like way back in the day and he's just like, you know, kicking everyone's butt and ranked and doing all this stuff, right? And he gets knocked down once and he's like, oh crap, I'm going to lose. You know, and it's just like... Yeah. Really? I mean, you have making one mistake and losing off of that, and I get that. Like, you know, that's the volatility of the game. It's what Street Fighter Five is. But damn, would I ever love to see that dialed back? Uh, but how about you? Do you do you have any thoughts on, on what kind of extension of current mechanics you'd like to see? Okay, I don't want to rehash too much of what I've said before, so I'll try to avoid doing that. But my main issue is indeed with V-Triggers, in that how much they tend to dictate around. There's a whole part of the game that happens before V-Triggers, and then once they're into play, then a lot of times you can just kind of toss everything that happened before that out the window. Mm -hmm. So, well, what do you do about that? Well, making them less plus on block or something like that would be great. Uh, or less less advantageous on cancel and and also making it less easy to do that you know with Falk and Birdie and such we're seeing players have to still play a game with Birdie's V-Trigger 2 for example right. to get that V-Trigger activated even once they have it and that just by itself even though that V-Trigger is amazing is still like a very welcomed component to the game because it makes me like when Fudo's out there doing that I'm like okay I know what he's thinking and if the other if his opponent is good they know what he's thinking as well and he has to do this one more thing at least to get to that super saiyan mode and i really like that and i think you could go further with that and make it more the case for just just about any character i'm tired of akuma throwing a fireball from two-thirds screen away oh, me jumping over it correctly correctly and him still being able to cancel into a massive combo that leads into oki with v trigger still on board and hey if he's got demon ready that's a whole other 50 50 for 400 damage anyway stuff like that we want to get away from it however we can so yes the the whole cancel um an advantage on cancel thing is is a big one um and and not having just easy blatant safe activations another thing is 
V triggers are fun, right? Right, like especially to use them when they're like that's great. Maybe they just don't do as much damage, and they've been nerfed already. In that, if you activate in your combo, it it does a significant scaling, and I like that. That's really good to think that we were at a game before this point where that wasn't the case, <laughs> along with all the input lag and variation and anti-air jabs, and oh my gosh, throw loops. Wow, we've come a long way, guys. But still, I think it could get better even in this avenue. I think maybe when, uh, I don't know exactly how they'd go about doing this. There are a couple of different ways they might do it, but maybe reducing the damage output that happens during V-Trigger. So you can still have your fun time as your G carrying your opponent across the entire stage, but maybe they're not losing six, like 40% of their health as you do that. And it just you require a few more thoughtful hits before you can just end around something like that so that's where i would begin but you know what it's not on me to do this it's on capcom to do this so i'll lay out like this is where i'd like to see things go but as far as them figuring that out directly man that's on them because there are so many potholes that you could fall into with this it's going to take a lot of very uh very thorough and intricate sit down and then analyze and 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 man i don't envy having to having to do this but i am hoping that they do something in this particular arena because the, the game is kind of fun oh you heard me say it uh and and i think it could get better and i do think that it it needs to be carried for another year or two and this would be the way to do it yeah i forget the season that it came in and i almost wonder if increasing the scaling yet again on V-Trigger activation combos like would do it. Because you're risking nothing to get this massive damage still in V-Trigger, right? And mm -hmm. and I mean, it's it, it's still so good. And then oftentimes with a number of characters, like that V-Trigger Oki combo that you do, it leads into another, like I just mentioned, Oki setup, right? And, and like someone like G, you're able to drain your entire opponent's life bar on one read off of a hit-confirmed V-Trigger activation. And that's just too much. And we have our own issues with G that we've talked about here on the podcast. And I mean, even uh, Steven Dream King, who's a G main, he's like, yeah, that's, that's bull crap. Like, he shouldn't have that. Um, that's kind of its own issue, but I mean, that's collectively almost the entire roster. You look up and down and you're like, okay, this character has uh, Oki into death off of V-Trigger and this one does and this one does. And it's like, I think you're looking at 70% of the cast, 80% of the cast who has that. So why not yet again ramp down how much you get uh, off of it? And it's already a system that's very proven. Capcom has done it before. I think like your your next hit on a V-Trigger activation scale is like 70% or something like that. Knock it down to 50 you know, knock that puppy down to 50 and say, hey, if you want to get these follow-up hits, like, I mean, you can do it. You still can do it. It's just you're getting a lot less reward off of it. And, and all of a sudden, you're making the game more thoughtful and all that kind of stuff. And you're really nerfing something that it's pretty brainless. I mean, if you can do a basic combo, like you're just activating, you're, you're hitting a button, you're hoping something good happens, you're activating. And if something good happened, you're blowing the opponent up, right? And, and I mean, yes. so that's probably actually where it started is like the scaling is not enough. You know, it's like you're, you're still having too many scenarios where people are just able to do stuff. And, and there might be a few characters that, that get hurt too badly by that. Right. That are based around that mechanic. But overall, it's like I'm, I'm willing to take that trade any day of the week because it's a more thoughtful and reasonable game at that point versus just dominant offensive play. 
Well, and it retains the BS that is fun to do. Yes. You still get to do all that and do your crazy combo and carry them to the corner. And then you probably, in this scenario, still get to have the Oki and the setups afterwards. And that's fun too. But you're not also getting huge red lop off of the of their life bar. Right. You know, it's not like all of that plus their life just went from 80% to 40%. And then this next Oki situation, if it goes your way, they're dead. At least get rid of that part of it. So you can still have the the fun time of, of going through V-Trigger and, and using it and being a Super Saiyan, but it doesn't mean that they're just dead as a result. Here's another question though. Does this kind of a change need to be universal or can we go, you know what, it needs to happen to all of these characters, but it doesn't need to happen to say Vega because of where they're at. Yeah, I mean, it, can I you think do it, this to individuals? I think it has to be universal. Um, but what you do with that is like you're basically knocking off like a bunch of characters off of, you know the power level from that, right? Uh, and again, you have to get rid of stuff like Akuma's like fireball activation because that's like. <laughs> <laughs> that is, is so awful on every level that Capcom has left that in the game. Like, I just, I, it's mind-blowing to me. Well, it's not like he has anything else going for him. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, but, I mean, you, you know, so I think you hit everyone with that, and then you individually look at the characters, and you bring them back up if they need it. Right. Like if they really like have gotten too hurt by it, it's like, but Vega's V trigger system sucks. Like he is a, an abysmal V trigger character anyway. And so I, I, everyone else is being less effective in the V trigger category probably actually makes Vega better which is shocker you know it's a shocker like you, you're like okay you're nerfing everyone you think like you know but I mean I think that's the first place my mind yeah. went it's like if this happens and even if Vega gets this same treatment well he's not really using V trigger exactly. like this he doesn't use the cancels for V trigger one of course we're talking about the rose uh, that makes I think that that does bridge the gap a little bit because I think when they first designed a lot of these and Vega was one of those initial 16 characters they were thinking about not that this is a mode that your character is going to go into and just own the entire round because of it was more this is going to play to a specific strength and so Vega was well he's all about the place and and you know you might be throwing fireballs at him but if he has this that it, it serves this one purpose well it serves that purpose but everybody else's V triggers serve Vega they're like, like 17 different purposes simultaneously. Mm -hmm. You get rid of some of that, and then, hey, Vega's V-Trigger looks a little more like everybody else's at that point. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it will be very interesting. Uh, I do not envy you know, the balancing process there for Capcom to try to figure all that out because now you have to take 38 characters and evaluate how that change impacts everyone and that's what a brand new version of the game is for though right like it, you know red focus and all that kind of stuff like it made some characters inherently way better in ultra street fighter 4 uh, oddly enough it made yun better which he did not need uh it made characters <laughs> like evil ryu better and a bunch of others and stuff and it was it was interesting um and that's something you do have to look at but i mean that's We've been playing this game for long enough. There's enough community feedback out there. There's enough people, you know, spreading good knowledge out there. This is a reasonable change to make to the game and have it be a very positive impact, I think, collectively. Uh, you're going to have some holes that develop there, and I hope, you know, a .5 change is definitely coming after they release a new version so they can tweak stuff a little bit further, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. look like we got a, a point four, point five patch, I should say, in this version of the game, Season 4, and I don't think we're getting one, right? Uh, so right. Um, anyway, uh, I'd like to see that come back for sure with this, but there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, there's so many different routes that Capcom could take, but I, I do think that the just unbelievable bias towards offense that I've, I don't know, I've never seen this in a Street Fighter game before, where the game is just heavily biased towards offense to the point of, of being ridiculous, you know, and, and just... 
ugh, it's kind of disgusting. And I'm I'm okay with it because I love offense more than defense, right? That's that's what I'm playing, you know, fighting games to do. Um, I, not that I don't play defense, it's just like I like offense more. Um, but damn it, it, it is disappointing overall. Uh, and I get it for fans of the series that have like just been completely disenfranchised from this. So I have a quick little story. I was playing online the other day against a, a Laura. I think it was El Tigre, the Grandmaster Laura mm. from Mexico, if my mind serves correctly, my memory serves. And there was a V-trigger sequence, and it was last last hit kind of a scenario. And I blocked for what seemed like probably 20 minutes. It was actually probably like six or seven seconds. But I blocked a handful of mix-ups, and man, that felt good. Right. <laughs> I blocked all of it. And I was I was so proud because I'm I'm one to flail in tech. And, and I grew up in Street Fighter 4-ville, right? So I'm crouch teching all over the place. But that was really cool. And I'm like, hey defense can be fun yeah it is it's very rewarding when you do it like when you know that you've blocked you know g's like 17 attacks or nicali's done a bunch of random overheads and flips and all this other crap and you blocked everyone like you feel really good um it's it's nice to defend against the flails but like uh, man is it yeah <laughs> oh but yeah it's not in your favor yeah. i mean the reward is probably extra good yeah. because it's just so hard to do that successfully and, and and some of it is just luck you know it's reading your opponent but it's oh, also yeah. luck but that, that yeah it went your way. Now, do you want to go in depth about something like a, an additional uh, V reversal? Do you feel like we've already talked about you know, that before? I mean, enough? we'll save that for another podcast. If people are, are heavily interested, they can ping us on Twitter and let us know. You know, um, but we, mm. we have discussed it previously. Uh, there's a, I mean, there's like 50 things we could probably name off the top of our heads of stuff that could work in the game. Uh, but these are the things that we think Capcom might be looking at. Because history shows that Capcom is much more likely to look at things they've already done and kind of tweak those versus adding something that's brand new. So, mm -hmm. um, so getting into it now, uh, next up we have Bonchan is at the top of the CPT leaderboards. And he is using a style and approach that is a good bit different than Punk. Both of them play Karen. Um, both of them have had massive success. And I mean, you know, uh, anyone who would be in Punk's position would be lucky and thrilled, you know, to be there, right? Uh, but he has dominated the CPT leaderboards up until this point in time. Um, and one of the things I'm actually seeing with Punk is that his use of V reversals with Karen are heavily scouted right now. And, and he was using these to get by like a lot, right? Momentum is against him, um, you know, and, and V reversals are not a popular mechanic in Street Fighter V because of what we just talked about with the dominance of V-triggers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Punk was taking V-reversals and using them all the time to shift momentum, get out of those block stuns, do a bunch of other things like that. And what I'm actually seeing now with Punk in Tournament is that people aren't countering them. They're not often in a position to, you know, blow them up and throw them or do whatever, uh, you know, do the, the wonderful, you know, um, tech counters we've seen to V reversals where you V reversal and you eat 500 damage or whatever, right? Like that you see online yeah. in tournament or see online on Twitter, I should say, but you rarely see in tournament. Like that's a night and day difference, you know, pulling that stuff off under pressure. Uh, Sako can do it. A few others can do it, but it's few and far between. Um, so Punk was using V-reversals so dang well. And now people are sniffing those out and they're just like, hey, you know what? I know this is coming. I'm just going to block. And he's blocking it and he's not getting that reversal of momentum that he was used to getting. And I watched at Celtic Throwdown consistent blocking of it by top level players. They knew his V reversal was coming, knew for a fact it was coming. And sure enough, it did. And they blocked it. I want to say 80 to 90% of the time, 
top level players did. And that is something that he was once again, just getting by with up and down. And I love this era of the fighting game community. We're at where people are sniffing out those tactics. They're seeing them, they're researching them and they're going, you know what? I know this is coming. I know what you're going to do. And this is my counter for it. And you are no longer winning this tournament. And that's the dynasties yeah. are cycling faster, yes. right? Yes. We saw like who who's had some some time at the top. We've had infiltration. We've had Tokido. Punk has had two oh runs now. Yeah. Knuckle Doom. And uh, uh, RD did have one too. Uh, not, not as not Man as dominant, RD but, won yeah. a few tournaments. Yeah, yeah. He, won, well, he won Capcom yeah. Cup. It, be, leading up to it, he won a few more. But his dominance run wasn't as strong as like the others we've named. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and now it's certainly well. I, I should also say that there have been individual days that were the era of Fujimura where he was like unbeatable but he can't seem to keep that going across long spans of time but there are moments where it's like no one's beating this guy today uh, and, and like I can say that in full confidence uh, but anyways now it is time for the Bonchan dynasty how long will this last though in this current technology information just saturated time that we're in where everyone can immediately go back and watch the tapes before you're done getting off the stage the archive is there ready for people that you know but your your opponent can whip up that on their phone and start watching and 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 you know looking at the tapes uh, correcting the mistakes and and seeing exploiting whatever problems you might have in your gameplay and that is exactly what we saw Bonchan do with punk right through all these fgc translated videos we've seen Seen him studying and in yep. that I've said it before is very impressive the level that he's studying on that's what it takes to be the best in Street Fighter 5 and to see him winning the way he is now after watching that it feels very um, very just yep. I'll say but so a, a few quick things too we never thought that punk was going to be passed once he got to where he was earlier in the season he won the first like handful of premier events he was more than a thousand points beyond I think it was Tokido who was in second place at the time it felt like we were just fighting for second it was like punk's going to be first seed let's see who gets second place well bonchan has you know surpassed him and uh, the total points right now bonchan has 3770 punk is in second with 3455 so a good little bit of a uh, of distance bonchan has made for himself there and then third place is tokido with 2175. It's like 1300 <laughs> points less than the person in second. That's scrub, Bonchan, man. Punk. Why, why does Tokido <laughs> such a scrub? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. what a loser. <laughs> Go cry in your bed of money, Tokido. Uh, but Bonchan, Punk, and Karen are sitting up here at the very top. Uh, and, and it's been very interesting. But how long does Bonchan last up here? How long until, well, first of all, how often does Punk hit the books like Bonchan has? Because you were saying that there's a very clear difference in the way that they play. They're using the same character, but you can tell when Punk's playing and you can tell when Bonchan is playing. Now, both are going to be doing stuff like whiff punishing, and but if I had to kind of try to articulate it, it feels like Punk is a little more aggressive, uh, a little more of that ruthless aggression. Even using things like V-reversals on offense to keep someone cornered, it's all about just putting yourself in those great situations and then him relying on his very strong reaction with punishes to get the job done. Bonchan, I haven't been able to watch uh, with, with the same eye as much, but he feels more well-rounded and just studied and is ready for every single situation against every every single character that can come up he's he's the bookworm that's just figured it all out and he's ready for everything to come down the pike uh punk is in there just like forcing his hand and just 
murdering and, and eating people alive on his time. So that's my like kind of early analysis and the difference between the two of them. Yeah. Do you feel like that's accurate yeah, or no, that's, is there more that, to it than I, that? There's, I would express it in some different ways, but overall that's, I mean, it's clearly that's what's happening, right? Um, I've studied Bonchan a lot over the years, and I know that this guy is a master of control and manipulating stuff. And I also know that when he is not able to do that, he falls apart completely. And I've mm. watched it in Street Fighter V and Street Fighter IV. Uh, again, this is one of my favorite players. I definitely model many aspects of my game, you know, on what he does. And I think I've just given my, you know, giant weakness out there, right? Like uh, <laughs> when I am unable to control the matchup and what's going on, I'm just a way worse player. You know, and I mean, it sounds like it will duh, but I mean, it's it's when you have a dominant style like that, when you are actually able to control a matchup and to manipulate the opponent into spots on screen where you know that you could have a big advantage and you kind of know how to deceptively do that. It's it's very much an art to do that. Um, some players are just like, you know, they wait on that one or two reads or whatever are that, you know, they, they lame up or do whatever. They, everyone's got a style, right, is what I'm getting at. Um, sure. And so Bond chances that, and I, it's easy to say, okay, well, you know, don't let him control the matchup and, you know, figure out ways of doing that. That's quite another to figure out like the one or two or three or 20 things he's doing wrong and actually be able to blow that up. But history does show in the fighting game community that happens all the time. Happened to Daigo, uh, Punko got him. He's like, Hey, he always DPs in this situ uh, situation. Double perfected. Uh, K Brad took out infiltration in street fighter four. He's like, he always teleports here. He's like, Cammy will just destroy that. Uh, and this was back when Cammy was not even that good of a character in street fighter four like not perceived to be that good right uh, and k brad really put his name on the map he i mean k brad became a giant thing in the community with that win over infiltration and obviously i mean he's been uh, a consistent tournament performer since then but i mean that was what put him on the map um that's sometimes what it takes and so if i have this information and i am a top level player I ain't giving that up. I'm not telling people what that is. I'm going to keep that under wraps. And when I have a chance to beat Bonchan at Capcom Cup, Evo, whatever major tournament that comes up, I'm going to do that. I ain't putting that information out there until I use it on him. Prediction time. Do you think Bonchan holds on to this uh, status and ability through Capcom Cup or does someone pass him between now and then? As history shows in Street Fighter V. This is the wrong time to peak. You want to? Well, Evo is a great time, no, right? It's Evo, but he's not gonna take Capcom Cup because then plus there's a lot more money behind yeah, that. Who cares that. about what Evo? You win five bucks. <laughs> Give me Capcom Cup any day. <laughs> it's like Evo's such a joke in terms of payouts, and it always will be. It's like they they just I guess they don't care. You know, I, I actually I know they don't care. That's what they've said in the past. Like they don't want esports money, and I think that's gonna be changing now that you know they're working at Riot Games and all that kind of stuff. But that's literally public statements they've put out there. Evo's a joke for payouts. It always has been. I don't know if it always will be, but whatever. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. it's the wrong time to peak. Every single time this has happened, you want to peak in like late October, November, somewhere around that time, come up with brand new tech and be kicking everyone's butt. And then you carry that momentum into Capcom Cup. And that's where the Capcom Cup winners have come from. That's where Knuckle Dude did it. When you peak this early and you do this great, you don't oftentimes end up winning. Infiltration like peaked early, right? And he did not end up winning. And uh, Tokido did it. And he won E-League, which is a lot of money. So, you know, I can't really fault him there. But, I mean, he's not won Capcom Cup. You know, so... Mm -hmm. um, I would be shocked if Bonchan pulls this off. I would be very shocked. Like you, you want to do it later in the year, save kind of your tech for that point in time and, and do that. So if this were a few years ago where technology were different, do these, uh, I, maybe this is self-evident, but do these kind of uh, reins at the top of the mountain get a little more extended? Even, even over like maybe, maybe punk wins for a few years. 
you know, because people aren't able to analyze quite as quickly. But but the way things are right now, like I said, just go to the archive immediately before you leave the stage, you can start doing your research. Yeah. And I mean, but that works both ways, though, too. You know, like, hey, there's this great technology for Sagat that, you know, Joe Blow 59 discovered on, you know, ranked matches that Bonchan's been looking at and been using. Right. Um, and and, and mm. so it works all different ways. And it's hard for me to say um I love it in basketball talking, you know, uh, hearing people talk about the NBA who followed it for decades. Right. And what they often do now is they separate like the best teams by eras. They're like, okay, well, this era from like the 70s to 80s, like the best team was this, you know, type thing. And then, you know, they get up to the Bulls and the Warriors and all that kind of stuff. Um, But they really talk about how the game has changed and evolved and all that kind of stuff. And it's still basketball. Like a lot of the rules are the same. You know, uh, things haven't changed dramatically as much as they have like in fighting games or video games as we know them. Right. Those change pretty dramatically between, you know, iterations, right? Uh, so mm. I look at all this stuff and I, I really feel like that things would be mostly the same. I think that these dominant runs that, that some of the players have been on, we've kind of seen before, but the amount of, of documenting that we do, the amount of stream time and all this kind of stuff it gets, that has grown tremendously. And so I think the fame and all that kind of stuff is, is up there. But I remember runs like this with Valle, uh, John Choi, uh, obviously Daigo, uh, and a few others and whatnot. Like there there have been just these dominant runs. Justin, how do I forget Justin Wong? I think he won how many Marvel tournaments at Evo or something? I, I It was like five in a row, something like mm-hmm. that. You know, um, the only player I can really look back to and look at it run a dominance that I think is pretty much unmatched ever is zero in uh, Smash 4. And that is the most dominant run I've ever seen in fighting games. And that one is beyond impressive to me. And that one I don't know if will ever be matched again. So, If someone wins Evo and Capcom Cup, that, yes. that is the most impressive thing you can do in Street Fighter. Yes, well, I right think now. that goes without saying. Yeah. But, but there's even more substance to that given what you just laid out. Like, oh, man, that'd be real hard to yeah. do, especially here in 2019. Yeah, I, I'd take E-League and, and Capcom Cup any day over the uh, Evo. But, yeah, I mean, enjoy those pride points. They're, they're worth five bucks. So <laughs> good, good on you if you really enjoy those. I, I still don't understand why people are so wrapped up in Evo wins. Like, it, it's it's so freaking meaningless in our community. And I, I know there's like a, it's like a 10K, like, pop bonus, like Capcom throws in there. That's something, you know, for sure. But, like, your airfare and everything and just even get out to Evo and stay there and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's a good amount of money, you know. You know, and uh, it's well, yeah. but the the pride, the the who cares? It, it's the novelty surrounding Evo and the fighting game community. That's where I mean, that's your answer. That's why people care about it so much. And it's it's the biggest tournament probably for your game, unless you're talking Smash okay, Bros. Okay. But most of the time, it's the most entrance. It's the most impressive skill wise that you could do. Well, argue. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Hold on. So I I and I am a big fan of this guy, and he puts himself on blast here, so I feel comfortable. Saying saying that uh Vassant won an evo championship in marvel is that yeah. is that a legendary accomplishment that just should be held up on a pedestal for all time i think it's a it's a great thing i think he'll keep no, no, his no, you're not trophy question is that a legendary accomplishment that should be held up for all time I think in some respects, okay. yes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, even hit- he did it with Dark Phoenix yeah. in in Vanilla Marvel, exactly. sure. And, but but uh, yeah, but what does that exactly have to do with the prestige of Evo? Well, that's exactly what I'm calling into question: is the prestige of Evo. That accomplishment, I look at and I go, "That's good. He did that, and it's an Evo championship. No one can take that away from him. He's always been a very quality player, I, and, and I would never ever say you know Vasant isn't good. He's definitely clearly a good player." 
Um, but that accomplishment I look at and I, I go, okay, yeah, he did it. Great, great for him. But his skills never held up after that. Like in Marvel after that, he got by, he won that one tournament. Um, and he did pretty well in vanilla overall, but like he was never that great. He even called himself a fraud many times, like playing Marvel infinite. Um, and later on and stuff, he was just like, yeah, it's like, I, I did that, you know, and whatever his execution was never great. He was always put on blast for that. Like the level I look at for, for players who are dominant and incredible. Like Chris G didn't even win a Marvel three tournament for a long time at Evo for like for, uh, he would always get random out in pools and stuff. And, and that is the best Marvel three player of all time. Like hands down, it, it, he is mo the most dominant and gifted. And so I, I just, I look at the, the prestige that, that people put on Evo and I laugh. It's a joke. It's like, seriously, like you put that much on there when you, people are walking away with it and there's all these other great tournaments that are, I mean, I get the competition field. I get what Evo is, but just like putting that much, that much respect on it to me is a joke. Like it's like that it, the event does not deserve that much respect in terms of the, the overall winners of it, in my opinion. And I know people are going to disagree with that. I know I'm in the minority on this one, but I mean, if you just look at the accomplishment from a pure uh, logical perspective of, you know, how many other tournaments have people won, who, who was at those events, who entered them and all that other kind of stuff, the, all that, the, all those type of things. Like the respect people put on Evo's name in terms of being an Evo champion to me is kind of ridiculous. Do you think there's a bigger respect for Capcom Cup winners? I personally have way more for it because you have to work way harder to get into Capcom Cup. You can have a great run at Evo and win it and be an Evo champion. It's it's still something big. I mean, I would love to be an Evo champion, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it, being an Evo champion is nothing. I'm just saying that the respect factor that people have for it in the fighting game community is ridiculous. It is nowhere near that deserving of that level of respect that people put on it. Do you think it used to be, but then now a lot of other tournaments have, have emerged and there it used to be the tournament that was by far the biggest and there weren't these huge invitationals like there are now, but now other tournaments have more caught up and so there's less... Uh, it's not as far ahead as everybody else as it used That's to be. That's pretty fair. I, I mean, it's it's. I think that Evo used to be a bigger deal because like that was really where you saw all the talent kind of fly in and whatnot. And I think it was uh, Brian F who said it on our podcast actually. Who's like, hey, I go to a tournament and there's Sako, and I go to another tournament and there's Daigo, and then Haitani and all that kind of stuff. He's like, that did not used to happen. He was like, I, I would go to these tournaments and like these players were not showing up all that often, and now people take it very seriously as a job. Um, and I think a lot of these tournaments have really caught up to what evo was and so it's kind of like this archaic tournament like and again evo's wonderful i'm i'm bashing it a lot let me say that going there is a phenomenally good experience and i highly recommend everyone who loves the fighting game community going there at least once again i just i really feel like the winners are just so overhyped in the community's eyes it's like problem x won last year right what did that get him? Like, it got him an Evo champion thing, and he's a very good player. It got him some, you know, a higher up on the list and stuff like that, but it wasn't that big of a deal in the long run. It didn't hold up very well. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like you might be able to make a similar argument about, uh, like, Mena RD winning Capcom Cup or Gachikun winning Capcom Cup. I think he was in, like, the 50s for the for the CPT leaderboards uh, up until this weekend, and I think he performed uh, decently well. Uh, I might be misremembering or confusing him with another Rashid player. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're getting at, and I think the, the closest... Uh, the, I relate to it in the fact that um, what we were just talking about, the, the way other events have kind of caught up, so Evo isn't as far 
removed up the mountain as it used to be. But I still do think that there, there certainly is a novelty that comes from the community just because of the legacy that we've built around EVO and what it has been as an event for the fighting game community. Uh, but the times do change, and, and and you could definitely make the argument that it ha- it offers less in that particular arena than it did before. Yeah, I I think quite a bit less. I, I look at someone like Mena RD, and there's so much more respect on his name after this Capcom Cup win. Someone like Knuckle Dew, etc. Like Problem X grew in his notoriety after his um, win at Evo, but it wasn't like he was explosively on everyone's radar at that point. Like to me, at least, didn't seem like it. He was he was always a gifted player and still is. Like he's great, you know. Um, but it wasn't like. And again, it might be my own personal bias I'm going back to here, but I look at someone like a Knuckle Dew and a Mena RD uh, and a Gachikun, and like you, you look at those guys and you go, yeah, that's a Capcom Cup champion. That that one year, this guy was the best of the best, no matter what. And like I don't know, to me, it feels different, but yeah. Fair. So all right, so we're moving along here, uh, not bashing Evo anymore, because uh, again, and and I do want to end it on this point actually, because I I've definitely given Evo a lot of crap. My opinions aside, um, uh, the people behind Evo have done a great job building it up. It has been a uh, a pillar in our fighting game community. Um, it has done a lot of very 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 good things. So my thoughts about the winners aside, there is just a lot of very positive and good things that have come from Evo, just not the payouts from it. So moving on, <laughs> shots fired. Um, <laughs> I do want to mention uh, real fast before we move on from from Bonchan and and say that his usage of Sagat has been bordering on 50-50 as of late. Uh, and it's quite impressive to see what he's doing with the Muay Thai master here. Um, and it's like we've talked about Karen being just this dominant character. But guess what? Like he is busting out uh, uh, Sagat quite a bit right now. Um, and I, I don't think his Sagat usage like is... A little bit more than Karen. I don't think it's just there yet, but it is so close to 50-50 that, you know, we're struggling, like, who to put first and, like, you know, the the character usage results and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and that's a character who most people do not have high up in the tiers, um, but Bonchan has put in the time to make that a very good pocket character for him to pull out. Maybe it's more than a pocket character. Maybe it's, like, an actual, you know, I don't know what the term would be at that point. but to me, that's quite impressive. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we have someone like Daigo who says, uh, like, uh, Ryu actually does well against Karen. And then we look at him at, at Celtic Throwdown, and he loses to, to Punk and to Bonchan, who both used Karen against him, and blew him up out of the tournament. And I go, ooh. And I just, I look at that, and I say, in every case, you don't have to have a pocket character. But if you have the ability to play a pocket character at a high level, why do you not? Like, that is a really good option to have, especially in some of these matchups. Bonchan is proving that's a great option. Infiltration has already proved it's a great option. Uh, I know Tokido is looking at M. Bison right now uh, to handle, I think it's Rashid, um, uh, whatever character he's looking at for that. But, I mean, there's a lot of people looking at pocket characters, um, and there's some really good evidence that it's working quite well for him right now. Yeah. There's also some evidence that you're a huge NBA fan because of the way you pronounce Celtic versus Celtic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I always get confused on that. Nick was saying it's like Celtic and whatnot. And he's, you know, he's from Europe and all that. So I probably should go with him. Uh, but actually, speaking of Nick uh, at Celtic Throwdown, uh, he landed himself in the final bracket for both Samurai Showdown and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, getting seventh place in both. You know, that's top eight finishes. Big ups to him. I just wanted to shout him out there real quick because he did that while covering uh, the tournament for the website. So, so big ups, Nick. You did a great job. So. This guy is our. I felt like I was the tournament competitor when it came to event hubs, but I have definitely been usurped. Yeah. 
yeah, it happens. It's uh, we're getting older, and the the young guns are are taking over. So I'm not actually sure like the difference in age between you and Nick. Like he might be older, but I'm gonna call him younger for the purposes <laughs> of, of this discussion right now. So anyway, I'm getting into it. Next up, uh, SNK is doing guest characters for every franchise under the sun. Uh, I thought yes. this was a very clever move. Um, I don't know what company goals SNK laid out for themselves, but they clearly have deals people can't refuse right now in terms of getting their characters in other franchises. Um, I'm wondering if they're like, yeah, I'm total speculation here, but if they're offering to fund development of like DLC characters, like, hey, if you put geese in Tekken 7, we will like, you know, give you uh, the money that it would take to put them in the game or like half the budget or something like that. Some kind of deal there that people are like, hey, this is a great offer. We're going to do it. You know, and, and SNK characters are definitely, they can be like a relatively big deal, but they're not like top tier, you know, IP, right? Like there, there's something, but regardless this is a great way to get your IP out in front of people. And um, just to really quickly do the hit list here, uh, you've got SNK characters in Tekken, which I mentioned. You've got Soul Calibur, Dead or Alive, and Fighting EX Slayer, and potentially now Terry Bogard coming to Smash Ultimate. And mm. note that we're recording this before the Smash Direct is, or Smash Direct, and the Nintendo Direct is taking place today on September 4th. Uh, so we don't know if Terry is like, you know, confirmed or denied or whatever, or like what SNK character or, you know, what's going on there exactly. But, um, they are man are they putting themselves on the map here and 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 talking with nick yesterday we both felt that the next round of snk titles that come out like their sales are going to go up because of how much exposure their ips are getting right now yeah uh, well we've talked about how snk is certainly like that double a to the triple a other titles in the fighting game community but moves like this are makes it seem like they are poised to jump up to that next level and that would be really cool because they, I mean they've been around for forever. They have very established fan bases, uh, uh, some great IPs. It makes sense that it's like, hey, it's time for SNK to jump up onto this next level of the train and start going down with the rest of the esports fighting game genre and and start making moves like this. So it's it's encouraging to see. Yeah. Definitely. It's hard to put something special and unique on the map in fighting games. Like so many things have been done before and done at a really high level. Um, but I think SNK is doing it here with being the kings of crossover. Um, it's just the deals they've worked out, all this kind of stuff. It's like it's such a clever strategy. I don't know if we've ever seen before. It's like, hey, let's get our characters in as many different games as we can. Uh, make sure those those games are high quality. Our characters are rep excuse me, represented well. Um Mm -hmm. All that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, like I never thought of doing this. And again, these are the, the clever ideas that can take you a long way. Um, big ups to SNK. Just uh, like shockingly awesome. Uh, and I, I'm hoping, like crossing my fingers, it works out great for them. Like as a fighting game fan, I could not be happier about this stuff. It's great seeing these characters crossover. It's so much fun to play as them in other fighting games. And, and there it is. I'm, I'm hoping for some of the, uh, what's the SNK title? The King of Fighters, but it was the King of Fighters for girls, and it was this, uh, SNK <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. No, 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 no. The one that's the PC game, that's, or the, the mobile game is coming out in Japan oh. where you're like, it's just a, a, a husbando kind of, I don't know what the term is for it, but uh, that game, I want to see one of those style characters come out. I'm not going to touch that one, so I'm going to go ahead and ask you about something else. But um, what you you have a note here about what you learned from playing Battleship? And uh, oh, we're getting yeah, into I, this. I'm really curious now. Like, how did you learn something like? And I, I'm assuming it has to relate to like fighting games and not like Battleship strategy. But yeah. no, I just wanted to talk about some Battleship. We've been getting some mailbag requests to talk about Battleship strategy, so I figured we could do that. No, okay, so. 
you and I have spoken a couple years ago about the idea of poets and scientists in fighting games. And of course, by that, I'm just referring to the way players uh, approach fighting games. Are they a poet that where you just kind of like feel what the right thing is to do and go with your gut? Or are you a scientist who sits in meticulously studies frame data and knows all the ins and outs and the math behind everything? Now, everybody is kind of a meld of both. But of course, you you tend to, to delve into one side or the other more just naturally. And so I've always been more on the side of the poet. You know, I just feel how to play and, and know that this should probably work here and this won't. And then people will ask me, man, what are you after that move that, that just beat me? And I'll go, what do you mean? And like, how many frames? I don't know. Uh, how do you not know this? Like, and, and yeah, I've, I've definitely had that conversation more times than I'd like to admit. Okay, so I've always felt like I need to be more of a scientist, but it's just that I naturally kind of lean towards being a poet. Um, and I have have an example of when being scientific about something just did not pay off. And the revelation here has helped kind of further sharpen and shape my, my view of, of competition, fighting games very much, of course, included. But my girlfriend, Brittany, and I, often on Monday evenings, we both have off, we'll go to... Um, there's a handful of bars near our house that have Battleship, the you know the traditional uh, tabletop game. And we'll go, we'll get a drink, we'll play some Battleship. And when we first sat down to do this, I'm like, oh man, I'm just gonna destroy her because it, Battleship is a you know 10 by 10 grid. There's only so many places the ships can be, and the way that you uh, it, it just very obviously leans or lends itself to this scientific mathematical approach where you can go all right i know that the remaining ships that my opponent has are this long so they can only occupy these kinds of spaces and you know i can i can get through this very mathematically so i did a little bit of research found out a couple of just general pointers you never want to put your ships on the edge for instance because it, it makes for one less guess your opponents have to make little things like that and i go in with this big puffed up chest like I'm just gonna demolish so far our record in playing battleship over the past couple months is uh, I have three wins and she has 17 Ooh. and I'm like how the hell and I keep asking her for her strategy and she just goes no I'm just kind of reading you I'm just kind of figuring out where you want to go and I'm like yes but I'm doing these perfectly like symmetrical like explorations of your side of the of the you know the board where I should be finding things out and even if it was just left to, to chance I should be winning better than three to 17 you know in 20 games i've only won three and what it has come down to is she's not following these rules that are technically correct you know she's not she's not afraid to put a, a ship on the outer perimeter even though that's technically mathematically detrimental and puts you at disadvantage it's 100 for her been about what is john thinking and when i'm playing i'm 100 just thinking well i can I can both go here, like I can attack at this space, and if I attack at this space, this space, and this space, then I also know without even attacking at this other one that her ship isn't there, and that's an advantage. Well, it's really not working against what she's doing. And so I say all that to say that I've often felt like there has been a shortage in my approach to fighting games with the uh, in regards to the scientific, mathematical, understand the frame data. But this is a very clear example in my life where I go, yeah, but just being able to understand and feel what your opponent is doing and thinking is, I think, still a bigger deal. Yep. 
I think there are a lot of people that can't tell you why they're winning, but they can damn win really effectively. And I think that both both the science and the poetry are very important, but you you need to... I, I, I feel like it's better to be a poet um, in a lot of respects. You need both, for sure. But I like poetry a little more. And, and that's coming from a poet, so... You know, take that as you will, but there it yeah, is. It's it's so important that we um, are balancing all this kind of stuff, and it's like there, there's room for both, right? And you know, go with whatever one like fits you. But you can have a lot of success without having you know the technical knowledge. You don't have to have that, and uh, and there it is. And 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 one other takeaway is that when you look at um, like like patch notes when they first come out. You see on paper who's better scientifically, mathematically, but that doesn't always translate to who's going to win. Now, and, and I, I would say it's as simple as saying that, well, just because they're mathematically better, uh, like like it's it's deeper than just Rashid has better situations frame data wise and therefore he's going to win now a lot of times he does in this situation in this particular game but i i don't think it's as simple as being able to look at the the math mm-hmm. and say this is what's going to happen not with competition not when the human mind is involved um, it just doesn't work that it's way a beautiful part of fi- it's why we play it you know it's not just a mathematical equation you know it's there's so much more to it and that is awesome um, if you're playing tic-tac-toe, it yep, is. Yep. Hashtag war games, right? Because right? mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if tic-tac-toe is down to mathematically, like you should never be able to win that game if you play it perfectly right, right? right? But uh, you get a little more in-depth than that, and you, you have something like a fighting game, and then that's not the case at all. You know, speaking of when you were talking about never putting your ships on the edge in Battleship, I actually did that to my brother like 20 years ago when we were playing one time and he missed like every shot in the game and I beat him and he uh, and like he's like where where are your ships at and I turned it around and showed him that every ship was on the edge and he got so mad like it's livid. the equivalent of just wake up DPing every time you're a piece of shogun for doing that by the I way know, it was awesome and it, but anyway it, he still talks about it to this very day that I did that to him and it was great I I mean I put one ship I put my carrier and it killed me to do it because I was like this is wrong but I keep losing so I put my ship on the edge and it, and it took her a little bit longer to find it she's like where are you are you kidding me right now and she's like there's no way you did this and then she finally mean, she still beat me that game oh, uh but but and also I'll just because I'm mad and you guys have to listen right now uh there have been two different instances where I found her final ship and just like it's just a matter of figuring out which way it's pointing I miss and then she finds my last two ships in that one turn and I lose and I'm just sitting there mouth agape and she's like well looks like you have to buy the next round and I'm like yeah look like cheater <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to talk about that anymore. What's our next subject? Oh, uh, well, it's actually the next one you have up here is the, um, and shout out to Brittany. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this because you just called her a cheater for winning so much. But uh, the- I call her a cheater to her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my insecurities. She knows that. The importance of calming down when uh, when you're cornered. Oh, crap. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Perfect segue. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So something. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, guys. Now that I've shown you that I'm completely incapable of doing this, let's talk about patience while you're playing fighting games. Uh, I've been exploring. I've had to force myself because, as you can tell, I'm not the most patient of players. Um, and, and when you're playing a character that's rushed down like Nikali, all you want to do is devour hour when you get the situation where you have an opponent uh, cornered. And I have found that just 
like like not taking all that you deserve, quote unquote, in those moments can net so much more benefit. Mathematically, you should go in, right, and do your 50-50 in the corner because they're at disadvantage. But if you corner someone, sometimes taking like, like being just outside of sweep range and just standing there will get them to do the dumbest things. Mm. Just, just pr- so... And there's something that you can practice kind of simultaneously that not that that one achieves what I'm talking about right now, but also just helps you um, um, work on something else, which is your vision and your patience, um, engaging your opponent. So next time you you get someone in the corner, instead of taking that advantage, just stand there, maybe just outside of sweep range, wiggle around, maybe throw out a few jabs to keep them on their toes, and let them jump out. Let them, uh, you know, and, and, and don't worry about you doing offense. You don't have to worry about like closing that gap and navigating in and getting up in their face and avoiding whatever normals they're going to throw out while you do that. You get to throw that out of your whole juggling act for the time being and just watch them. And it's hard to do even when you're actively thinking about it, you're still gonna wanna go in. You're still gonna, how many times do you have you jumped forward when you have someone cornered? It's amazing how many times I've done that. Like you stupid idiot, but I do it. Well, it's taken a lot and I'm not perfect at it yet, but I have already seen results. So um, just a little tidbit, something to take and try this week when you're playing. And this of course applies to, to just about any fighting game. You're, you're well, as long as you're 2D probably. Um, but just work on caging instead of going in. Doesn't mean you do it every time Time. Sometimes you absolutely go in, but man, uh, this is something that doesn't get explored enough for obvious reasons, and uh, and you can really level up if you do this sort of thing. So just hang out, hang back, let your opponent kill themselves. Don't preoccupy yourself with trying to go in. You don't have to take a risk there, and they are sitting there going crazy because of all the potential that you have as the aggressor with them in the corner. And you're probably going to get an even better situation than what you're in right now if you uh, if you just wait. yeah. It actually reminds me of the battleship thing that you mentioned of you know getting the data and getting a read on your opponent and just kind of you know sitting back and saying hey you know what i know you're going to panic if i do this and you're you know it's i mathematically have the advantage but i've got a read on you here you go you know so mm-hmm. man these the this stuff opens so many doors yeah. i'm just i'm excited i want i want people to try this out and then uh and see if they respond and say oh it works so well i'm gonna go yeah it does oh it's so great and we'll have the We'll have a merry time. There you go. It's a Street Fighter Five. I'm telling people it's a brilliant game. It's a brilliant game. Just very flawed. But uh, but yeah. Um, so let's open up the mail. Let's let's get into the mail here. Uh, I know you had a question here from Philip. Uh, go ahead and get into that one. So yeah, uh, Philip Eggers here. Fegger. <laughs> as he's known on Twitter, says, I have a question for the pod. Uh, what do you guys think of Red Bull adding Unist this year? Could it finally be picking up steam? And does the FGC have another melee story? Okay. Well, there's a lot there. Um, Melee is kind of its own beast. For those that aren't totally familiar with the Melee story, Smash Bros, it comes out, it's very popular. The next Smash Bros comes out, everything seems to be going like the natural order of the FGC. When a new game comes out, the old ones kind of go by the wayside. But people were casually very excited to play Brawl, um, but competitively, no. And there was like this mass exodus back to Melee, and somehow that process, at least for a time, seemed to immortalize it. And now new Smash games could come out, and Melee still had its own crowd. And strangely enough, there was some overlap with like Smash 4 entrance and Melee entrance, but there were a lot of individuals that signed up for one and not the other. So Melee was this weird anomaly in the FGC where it just kind of 
endured it, it it didn't die when it should have and then therefore became immortal although now it seems that it has finally gone away after its years and years and years of service um uh, more or less but uh, as far as will we see that again uh, I, I i seriously doubt it i don't think that this is quite that kind of a situation and the fighting game community you know competitively really only being about 30 years old uh, you wouldn't see this kind of stuff happen very often it's kind of crazy that it happened as fast as it did with melee um so to answer that part of it no i don't think this is going to be another melee story is it picking up steam? Absolutely. Because this was a game that's certainly in the, um, it's got its crowd, but it's certainly a niche crowd. And the fact that it makes it to Evo is a big deal. I think there's a, uh, well, uh, I suppose now that looking back, they probably knew that there was a new update coming to it and it made it kind of worthwhile. Like there's going to be this new wave um, that the developers are going to pump you know, into this game and there's going to be an update to it and we'll have it at Evo and wham, bam, there's this one-two punch of those two things going on. Uh, I can say that if I were a uh, Undernight player, that I would be very excited and very happy with what's going on. I wouldn't try to see it as... M- Excuse me. I wouldn't try to see it as any more than that. I will take what I can get, and I tend to be a little more conservative with things like this, so take that as you will. Um, but no, I would take my wins. I would be optimistic about the future, but I wouldn't try to to build any story uh, or narrative just yet as to where things are going to go because... Um, you know, similar to how we were talking about SNK and how it seems to be making that jump or trying to make that jump and making the right moves to do so from a double A AA to a triple A sort of a game. I think that you want to do like sort of incremental steps. And so whatever the next step for Unist is, I would say let's make that more of the goal, more of the hope um, to, to get up into that next rung. Uh, but it, no, no matter what, all of the stuff that's going on here, Red Bull adding it in, having it at Evo, um, the new update coming in, I believe it's 2020. It's a really good time for that game. And uh, and I think there are more eyes on it than ever. So so I would be very happy if I were a uh, regular Unis. Yeah, it's um, not every game needs to be at the top of the heap. You know, not every game can be, you know, type thing. Uh, but there's a lot going on that's good with it. And if the developers step in and do this massive amount of support for the game, uh, that would be great to see, but it's that's hard to do. You know, even Capcom has, has said they're not, you know, earning any money on their esports effort right now, uh, and they're by far the torchbearers right now in the community uh, for what they're doing with esports. That's hard for most other companies to do. You know, you have to have long-term plans to be able to pull that off. Um, but there's zero reason you can't like just love the game, continue to spread the message about it like that. You're, you know, it's a great game. Like, go play it. You know, go try it. Type stuff. It's it's a really phenomenal time in the fighting game community that we have so many great games. Uh, there's just terrific options all up and down you know um so Mm -hmm. you know play whatever like resonates really well with you uh continue to support it like you are right now and and that's kind of like that's what you hope for and if it it takes off and does better great if it doesn't you know i i get trying to share uh what you love with other people it's a big reason why we do the podcast right so just do the best you can with that and uh and there it is so moving along next to our next question our, and final question here and final segment of the podcast is from Malcolm Rogers. He also goes by the name BH Raccoon. Um, he has a question for the mailbag. How do you deal with having a character crisis in fighting games, specifically Street Fighter V? I've been trying different characters since the game launched and it feels so tough to find a character that really clicks. Uh, it feels like I hit a wall like each time. What I'm going to do here is actually take the long road when answering this question, uh, but I'm definitely going to address about like hitting walls and whatnot. 
And what I do when I'm trying to, to find a character that I want to main in fighting games is I actually take a list of every character in the game. Um, and you can actually find the list of every character in every game uh, on our website. Just copy and paste it right from the, uh, you know, the index pages that we've got up there for every game pretty much in the fighting game community. Um, and then if you know a bit about all the cast members, whittle that down a little bit to only people, people you're interested in playing. Um, people who appeal to you like visually are from a design or personality standpoint are a hundred percent okay to pick. And I know that people are like, Oh, you know, go for gameplay and stuff, but crazy as it is, like that's often the deciding factor for a lot of people in the fighting game community is finding a character that's visually appealing or like from a design or personality standpoint that just, it hits a home run with them for some reason. Those are the characters to go with. Shockingly enough, that is like the number one thing and it's held up pretty darn well for most people we just talked about like daigo going back to ryu you know uh, of all things and that character fits him right um guile doesn't really fit him and um and yeah so anyway if you know a bit about their gameplay and you're sure they're not a fit go ahead and take them off the list and it, you should have a ballpark at this point of about 10 characters you know and it's fine if there's more or less but like you should have a ballpark of about 10 characters like oh these are characters i would consider playing or i have some interest in right so mm -hmm. then you take those characters into training mode and focus on things that you like and want to do. And for example, if a great V trigger is important to you and should be um, for the most characters in the game, um, but like things also like a cross up attack or walk speed um, are just powerful attacks, right? Like what are you looking to do in the game overall and what feels right to you? Like some people look at a defensive character and say, oh, heck no, I don't want to touch that. Like I don't like playing defense. That's not me. Uh, some people are like, I have to have a defensive character. So you want to find something like some moves that just naturally kind of click with what you want to do. And after messing around for a while, you really should have someone just kind of jump up to the top or like a handful of characters like jump up to the top, right? That's like what you're looking for. And then you, you so you have, you know, a couple names on your list or one name on your list and you, you go and you take that character and you mess around with them for a while. And this is where the wall thing comes in here. Once you've picked a character, you have to be patient. Every character in the game has weaknesses except for Rashid, but you have to learn to adapt <laughs> to those and overcome those problems with time. You know, like it, it is, it is every single character is designed to have weaknesses. I don't know what the heck Capcom was thinking with Rashid, but except for him, uh, they have them, right? And if you give up when you hit that first wall or two, you're giving in too easily. And, and that is where a lot of people run into issues. It's like they've already found the character that works well for them. And it, there's no problem having a few alts or a few other things. Like that's a good, healthy thing, right? But most people are giving up because they hit that wall and they're like, well, I don't know how to get past it. What do I do there? And, and that The answer is you jump off that wall out of the corner into an advantageous situation. <laughs> <God> damn it. <laughs> Stinking Rashid. Uh, but anyway, uh, the jokes aside here. Um, you you've probably already found that character uh if you've been playing the game for a while and it's it's a matter of you know it's th there's no harm in messing around with like you know uh, we had john uh raptor here go play honda for a little while and now he's back to nicole he's like i like nicole more like he fits more of what i want it's like dude that's fine like we wanted you to see a, a another side of the picture here to help help get past the wall that he was stuck at and john i think you can chime in here and say that you you had hit a wall in the game you were very frustrated with a lot of things and doing stuff like battleship and kind of getting outside yourself and getting away from stuff has helped you a bit right uh yeah i still i would consider honda my secondary at this mm -hmm. point and there had been a time where kage was and sagat was uh, as well um but yes and this is another kind of avenue that we've gone down before we won't get into too far but uh also just playing someone else gives you different vision yeah. and that can really playing honda is what helped make me 
cage people more in the corner as opposed to go yes. in. So if you're really not sure about a character after a long time and like, you know, you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure I'm like, this character is not for me or like, I just doesn't feel right after a while. Like that's when you start, you know, going down the list further and all that and keep exploring out there. But the big thing here is try to have fun with the process. These games at the end of the day, they're games. They're meant to be fun. They're meant to, you know, and, and having fun with them at all points in time is unrealistic. You're going to hit walls. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to F this, you know, type thing. That That is part of the process. And that makes the reward of, of busting through that wall all the more rewarding. Um, but you have to have some ideas of where to look, right? And, and so let's say you play Nash and you're stuck in silver or something like that. Like that's when you have, you know, some friends, you, you talk to people, you, you analyze your match footage and whatnot. You make that the journey. You make the journey not even getting out of silver. You make the journey finding what's wrong and learning how to fix that and, and setting realistic goals for yourself. Like if I'm going out there to learn the guitar, like, you know, uh, I don't expect to master it in a weekend. Like I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to learn a couple songs and you know, we'll see if I stick with it or not. Like I'm, I'm happy learning a couple songs and it's about the journey. Like I, if I can play a couple songs by journey, I'm happy. Right. You know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, it, it you got to set realistic goals for yourself, maybe going up a single rank, you know, but again, sometimes it's just, it's finding a few things and working on that. And we, we talked about it in the last podcast, like just work on anti-airing, you know, like be ready for anti-airing and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is like, and this is a great line uh, that Nicholas, who we've mentioned quite a bit today, um, he often says that, that we judge our abilities at close to our apex instead of what our average is. So, you know, that time we beat Daigo in tournament or whatever, we took a round off of them. It was like our apex and, you know, our tournament performance, right? Um, and we sometimes think our skills are, are that instead of like, oh, you know, I've lost to Scrub Boy 15, 20 times in a row, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's usually somewhere more in the middle of that. And sometimes we set our expectations on our peak performance instead of where we're at overall. So, yes, um, becoming a top-notch player, becoming a great player means having an outstanding all-around game, not just a few areas that are good that you've worked on, but like like just ridiculously all-encompassing. I know every matchup in the game very well. Um, I know how to do this and this scenario and that and stuff like the, the level of effort and time it takes to be an infiltration, a Daigo, a Tokido, it's ridiculous. These guys are dedicated beyond belief to that. So, Try to set your expectations up to a level that you're happy with, that you're having fun with. Because um, really, again, at the end of the day, it is about having fun. It's about that journey. Yeah, I, so that was a very scientific approach to the, the how to go in and pick your character. I, I have a, a, a probably a much more brief poetic response to that uh, question. And the first, I, I have not had um, very much intention in my choice of characters over the last 10 years until recently because I haven't had much to go off of. I didn't know what I was looking for in a fighting game, but then I played, you know, competitively and written about them and explored them. And now I know what I'm getting into uh, a little bit more from square one when a new game comes out. Um, And so what I would say is the very first thing you want to do when you are looking to pick a character and uh, and go on this journey with this character uh, is to figure out what you want out of it. Are you playing the game to win? Well, then restrict yourself to the top tiers and look at those. You know, uh, if you're playing the game because you really enjoy, you know, being able to hit heavy punch safely from far away, then pick, you know, someone like Urien. So, so like, if there's a certain aspect of, of things that about fighting games that you really like doing when you're doing it, 
Um, and you don't mind sacrificing, you know, trying to go really far in tournament for the sake of, well, I just really like doing this kind of a thing with my friends when I'm playing, uh, then, then, you know, base your selection around what your initial intent is when you're sitting down. Figure out what your goals are. Are you here to have fun? Are you here to make people mad because that's how you have fun? Are you here to just win outright? Figure that out. And then kind of look at what the characters in front of you offer and you can kind of group them according to your personality. Um, certain, you know, there, there was the famous uh, function statement that Combo Fiend made uh, back in the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite days. And while that got a whole lot of negative response, for some people, he was 100% right. Some people don't give a crap about what the character looks like and the colors that they have and, and their character's emerging personality as the story develops. They just want to be able to do an eight-way dash because that's how they like to play. Uh, it's it's funny that like there is a group of people that that was absolutely wrong about, but there is a group of people that it was right about, um, and maybe that's you. So identify who you are, what you want to do as a player first, and then I think that makes that you know thirty five member you know roster a little bit more manageable, a little less intimidating. Yeah. And then outside of that, just like you said, what you're having fun doing. Yeah, it, there's so many ways to have fun in fighting games. We, we know that um, there were people that were playing Street Fighter V just for the fight money, of all things. And that like that seems like kind of like a ridiculous prospect to me. I'm like, really? You could do that? Like you could go on it? But yeah, it's like it's the the treasure hunt or whatever and stuff. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to enjoy this. And oftentimes, if you're reaching out to a hardcore niche podcast, um, that covers fighting games and whatnot, you're probably onto something like you're in the vein of what you're looking for already. And, and it's you might have a blast literally just trying to find what character that you want to play with no expectations on it beyond I just want to find the character that I love the most and, and try to find that. And again, if you're already beyond that point, you know, say that character is Nash for you and you're like, but I actually really like Nash a lot. I'm just stuck on this wall. You know, make your mission just finding the way past the wall. And oftentimes what we're doing is we're, we're doing too much of the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. That's usually mm -hmm. where we've hit the biggest wall at. Uh, and you have to try new things and that's how we grow. It's how we get better. And that's what the pros are doing too. You know, they, they're not just sitting, you know, in their neck of the woods and playing the same people over and over again. They're not just, you know, as much as they say otherwise, they're not in training mode for 20 hours a day and they don't do, a, you know, go and play anyone else and whatnot. Like they're going out there, they're trying new characters, they're trying new things, um, you know, with uh, Honda, Lucia and Poison. If you go on, um, uh, you know, YouTube or any other places and whatnot, you will see a bunch of the pros trying those characters out, trying them out in ranked, like losing points and whatnot to do that, just to get the experience with them and to to understand more of what they're doing. They are they're not as afraid to go out there and try new things, and, and so that's what you do. And, and um, at the end of the day, if you can kind of look at yourself and see the growth and see the fun and see the process and whatnot, I for myself and for most of the people I know that usually leads you to a very good spot. Yeah. Agreed. So we're actually running a little bit long here, so we're going to wrap this one up, but thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we had a good time with this one and we're going to see you guys soon. See you later guys. Yeah. I, I take E-League and, and Capcom cup any day over the uh, Evo, but yeah, I mean, enjoy those pride points. They're, they're worth five bucks. So good, good, good on you. If you really enjoy those.